Welcome to episode 12 of the Princeton Podcast with Mayor Mark Frieda. In this episode, Mark caught up with Kate Beck, the Executive Director of the Princeton YMCA. In addition to describing the variety of popular YMCA programs, Kate also shared some exciting news about the expansion of the Princeton YMCA with the Somerset YMCA as of March 1st. So without any further introduction, let's join our host, Mark Frieda, and his guest, Kate Beck, for episode 12 of the Princeton Podcast. Kate, thanks for joining us today. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Sure thing. So Kate, let's start with this one. Um, Where is the Princeton YMCA located and how long has it been there? So uh, I'm sure most Princetonians who've lived there for many years, it's pretty hard to miss. It's located (laughs) at 59 Paul Robeson um, Place, and it's been at that location since I believe the keystone in the original building was 1958. Yeah, so I would I would hope that most people that live in Princeton do have an idea that it's right there at the corner of Paul Kinda Robeson hard to and 206. So. <laughs> uh, Kate, another natural question would be, you know, how long have you been the uh, executive director at the YMCA? So um, I, I find this rather astonishing to say this out loud, but it will um, – I've been with the organization now just shy of 15 years. Um, and prior to wow. that, I had been with another YMCA many years ago in the Philadelphia area. And then in between, I had gigs with uh, the Girl Scouts. So I've, I've had, wow. um, you know, plenty of experience in the human services nonprofit arena. Yeah, well, that, that that's great, and I and I think your experience and knowledge is pretty evident. But and I don't want to say too much because we're going to ask you a whole bunch of questions. But sure, all you sure. do at the Y and all the Y does it shows you know reflects a lot upon you. Um, well, thank you. Okay, so it's interesting. My next question actually is, <laughs> what does the executive director of the Princeton YMCA focus on these days? Well, <laughs> I suspect we're not too different than a lot of uh, enterprises, whether that's nonprofit or commercial uh, in the private sector. You know, we're really in that place of coming out of the pandemic. That's the the majority of our focus is uh, regaining our financial footing, and and um, that that is a priority. But also, of course, throughout. Uh, this uh, crisis um, in the Y world, you know, we really had to switch gears and, you know, we've heard the word pivot quite a bit, but that was truly the case um, just because, of course, as the world turned upside down, uh, community needs uh, just went in a totally different direction. And there were some folks who had really immediate needs in terms of the human um, basics. So we transitioned um, to focusing on our most vulnerable members um, and making sure that there was uh, food available, uh, access to um, technology, internet, making sure that our kids were able to be a part of um, the um, virtual uh, classroom. Uh, We also then uh, moved quickly in conjunction with the Princeton Public Schools to provide support for remote learning, particularly for those families who don't have that good fortune and privilege of being able to work at home. And uh, of course, a lot of those folks are essential workers in a whole range of areas. So, you know, having to make that switch, you know, while we um, saw need go up, 
And while concurrently we watched as our revenues went down. (laughs) So uh, the PPP loans were uh, a major part of our ability to respond and stay the course. Um, So the question of what an executive director has been focused on, that that was really um, primarily what uh, was taking up my attention and our board and thinking through how can we match the resources we could access to uh, the needs that were most immediate and also, um, you know, be responsive to our own employees and ensure that they're able to, um, you know, have what they needed to do their work. Um, so it, it was, a you know, not unlike a lot of others, it was uh, quite a bit of um, uh, juggling, to say the least, and, and right. some sleepless nights. Right. Yeah. So, y- y- you know, it's... It's interesting to see how the why and others, you've mentioned other nonprofits have had to pivot and pick up maybe doing things they had not done as much of or things totally different. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I know why everybody is very eager to be out of this whole pandemic. Uh, the impacts of the pandemic still continue. So I imagine the why is still deeply involved in a number of the things that you just mentioned and might be right. for a while yeah. to come. Is that true? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we uh, we will continue to certainly be in uh, Mike Roseborough, who's one of our team members. He's very much a part of the consortium of folks in town who are working around food insecurity. So we still are a part of those efforts and have our own contributions on that front. Um, of course, you know, our um, since um, young people have returned to the classroom, you know, after school uh, care was a huge need. And um, of course, with the staffing shortages at the beginning of this fall, that really was um, quite a a difficult time for us just to try to um, achieve the level of um, uh, staffing that was needed in order to meet uh, the the um, certifications and criteria that the state mandates, you know, meeting all of the ratio requirements and so forth and ensuring that we could deliver the quality program when demand in that realm was also growing as, as um, families and, and parents were returning to work um, and kids were back in the schools. Uh, so that also meant that our Princeton Young Achievers program, which is an after-school program that has been with the Y since 2011 and serves children in grades K through five, that's a program that's a little different than sort of the traditional school-age child care, only in that those children, and pre-pandemic, it was about, um, about 90 to 100 children we would serve. It's now around 50 right now, um, those children are largely um, in need of that additional homework support. Um, where our, our purpose is really to make sure that they're ready to learn the next school day. So, um, you know, finding the resources to deliver that program uh, has also been, um, you know, a continuing challenge because that programming is largely supported through um, public support, through contributions, grants, um, and as we had to downsize our staff, that meant, of course, our capacity to raise money was impacted. So, you know, we f- have found a way to move uh, through that and be able to provide that programming. But that would be an example where, you know, the impact of seeing our memberships reduced and those earned revenues uh, go down uh, had an effect on the kinds of programming in that area where there is still uh, significant need. 
Right, right. So let me uh, well, let me change gears a little bit uh, because mm-hmm. part of the part of the idea here is to not to talk only about the why, but a little bit about you also. Oh um, sure. Could you know? Could you share where where were you born? Where did you grow up? So I was born in Michigan, but only lived there for about six months. My parents um, um, were from the Midwest originally, from Minnesota mostly. Um, And for a lot of reasons, uh, they decided, well, work was the driver for my dad, um, but decided that they really preferred living uh, on the East Coast, and they identified my hometown of Swarthmore, Pennsylvania as the place where we were going to live as a family. So I spent the vast majority of my youth, kindergarten through 12th grade, um, there and going through the public schools. And I um, often joke that that, frankly, was one of the best training grounds to operate an organization in a college town. Um, (laughs) I have a deep appreciation for what um, uh, the sort of characteristics and personalities and and quirks that come with the college um, community. So, um, but yeah, I I spent... um, I, I loved growing up there. It was a wonderful experience. I and I still have family there, and I go back fairly often. So that's, it it feels that, like home. That's mm-hmm. great. That's great. So you're you're actually in training. Uh, all, all your as you grew up, you were in training for uh, for your future uh, endeavors I in was. your career. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, as long as we're talking about you, how about? Uh, where you went to college? What did you have a major? Or so I did, and in fact, you know, I mentioned Minnesota. So um, I think, you know, in my twelve years growing up in Swarthmore, I I decided that somewhere along the line, probably when I was a junior, I really had had enough of the East Coast, and I'd made a decision <laughs> to go to the Midwest. So um, my older brother had gone as far as. Um, Oberlin, Ohio. So I was sort of in the mode of um, a small liberal arts college, uh, also growing up in a town with a small liberal arts college. So, um, but I knew that I wanted to be more in an urban setting rather than in a in a in the countryside. So uh, I landed in the Twin Cities. So I went to McAllister College, which is a a, a wonderful school located right in St. Paul, um, and um, ironically, where my dad was basically born and raised in St. Paul. Um, and uh, I loved it. I loved it. And and uh, whereas in high school, I had a lot of leadership roles. I was, you know, vice president of student council. I was in a, a whole bunch of positions that way. When I went to college, I, I switched gears entirely and I wasn't so interested in that aspect. So I actually have a major in studio arts which comes as a surprise to a lot of people. So I spent those four years while I was in the liberal arts program and I studied in a lot of areas, you know, in the humanities primarily. I made a lot of art. So I, I have a deep passion for art and it's another part of my world that I really enjoy. And I, and I use those skills in my work at the Y too. That's great. It's great. It's great to see all these things connect, you know, over a lifetime, how the things you learn and experience uh, Tristan has arrived. Sorry, I forewarned uh, you that my, there my you friend go. Tristan the cat would appear. <laughs> You're kidding, cats on the on the program. <laughs> <laughs> Always in need of a little additional attention. <laughs> Kate, you know the Y has hosted a whole number of community events on what I call the Y Y fields. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe better called your front yard. But um, 
So how do those events come about? I mean, do you guys reach out to these groups? These groups reach out to you? I mean, what's the magic behind all of that? Well, that's a really good question, and and that's something that we just love. That's that's become uh, certainly since COVID, you know, the the front yard, the field has become an incredible asset. I mean, it's always been a, a wonderful place for us to have programs, and um, it's it's where we run our summer day camp, which is essential. Um, but it's become um, a, such a fabulous meeting space for community members to celebrate and share together, or um, demonstrate in some way. Um, it, it's so that's largely driven by the relationships that exist already among our staff and our board members. Just, I think, um, you know, maybe it speaks to the continuity of not only myself having been there a long time, but, um, you know, my colleagues, my, my two senior staff members, Paul Zeger and Lee Zink have both been with me for 11 years. Um, so, you know, there are deep, deep ties, deep relationships. And I think then as people see the, um, the possibilities of having that space be utilized, it's just then, you know, other folks have taken an interest and reach out and through the channels of friendships, relationships, working partnerships, it just, these things just kind of come to pass and it's wonderful. It's very organic. It's been great. It's it's a great space, right? Because it's it's pretty centrally located. If you look mm-hmm. at Princeton as a whole, it's mm-hmm. you know close to the center of the town for sure. Uh, there's parking. You can easily yes. walk, ride your bike there. <laughs> I, I mean, exactly. I, you know, over, over the last couple of years, I've been to so many events there. It's uh, anyway, yeah. it's, it's quite a pleasure having having the Y host uh, any number of uh, community community events right there for everyone. That's very nice. Um, yeah, I, I've always felt, uh, and I think our, and, and that's actually been articulated among our board members too, is that our location is what we consider to be our greatest asset. It's, yeah. it's just wonderfully central to everything, but it also, I've often commented on how it's an interesting bridge between um, what are, you know, very different neighborhoods, but still all one in the same community. So I, I love the symbolism of that, that, you know, we bridge between, you know, the Hodge Road neighborhood over to the John Street neighborhood and and, and we're for all. And that's always been the case. Right. Which is great. Um, so, you know, w- one thing, so there's two buildings there. Mm-hmm. There's the YM and the YW. So, mm-hmm. but... Th- so just a little bit, right? They're separate. They're even though they're both the same place, but they are unique organizations. Yeah. It's 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 very unique to Princeton. You will not find this anywhere else, I dare say, in the country. <laughs> so our history is kind of interesting. And so I mentioned in the fifties, the buildings were constructed. Um, what was the the story behind that is that the YMCA had the land; it had been bequeathed to them. The YWCA at the time had some cash in the bank. So logically, the two decided, let's get together and construct a facility that would serve both of our organizations. And of course, it was a very different time in how those organizations were um, organized and who they were serving. Uh, Of course, the YW for women and girls, and the YM was for men and boys. And then, of course, Life goes on, time passes, the world changes. Um, and so you have these two separate organizations chartered each by their respective national organizations with, um, you know, um, 
complementary values. There's no doubt we we have those complementary values and shared um, goals in many respects, but we are two distinctive groups, um, which is confusing, frankly, for the community. And for many, many years, up until 2016, we actually operated out of both of those buildings side by side. And the uh, former YW executive director and I, um, her name was Judy Hutton, she and I would joke that, you know, after 2016, when we had sort of rethought how we could uh, organize ourselves on the campus just so we would do more for the community, enhance the experience for the community, and lessen the duplication and competition between us. But we we often laughed that we would make far better neighbors than roommates. And I think that that's a universal <laughs> thing that people can relate to. Um, so in 2016, we were able to um, come to a, a great agreement and plan that the YW would reside in the one building and focus on the early childhood education. And whereas the YMCA would take over the building with um, what had been called the athletic building with the pool and the gymnasium and so forth, but also the field where we operate the day camp because our, our area, te- we tend to be more uh, focused on the school age children. So uh, kindergarten and up to 12th grade. And then, of course, you know, in the YMCA world, it's also very multi-generational. So we have folks who we have something called the Golden Membership, a free membership for anybody who's 85 years or older. So, you know, we do have all ages at the Y. But that's a little bit of the the, the background on that. So, right. and I think no, it's a, working out well. I think it yeah. helps everybody. Well, I think that's helpful to help people understand mm-hmm. how, how each works separate of the other. Um so what, what, what would be most uh, some of the most popular Y programs or services, do you think? You know, I think that, you know, without a doubt at this hot minute, the basketball program has a longstanding um, tradition of just being a great connector in town. It draws children um, from all over the community, uh, and we're organized into a classic youth basketball league, and um, we have volunteers who are coaches who are, you know, parents and, and uh, it, to me, that's a a program that without a doubt is always uh, very, very popular. But we also, you know, we are the go-to for, you know, the lap swimmers, uh, the folks who love their water fitness classes. Um, And, and, you know, that honestly is sort of the magic of the why. Um, the why is is made up of a myriad of smaller communities. And these are folks who are devoted to their group um, because you develop deep relationships and ties to people if you're going to the same group exercise class or you're in a fencing program and you and you work with the same instructor over many years. Um, so, you know, we, we have so many programs. Um, and of course, you know, the school-age childcare that I mentioned before, that's not on site at the building, but, you know, off at the elementary schools every day after school, we're operating a program that's essential for families. They really rely on that um, to um, for the quality of their lives and and to be able to do what they need to do to, to, to earn a living. Um, and also for us to provide another opportunity for learning and growing, especially in the areas of social emotional growth. So um, the why is really made up of just this wide range of groups. Um, and, and you mentioned magic before. I mean, I've often said 
kind of the secret sauce of the why, um, and this is the case across the nation, is that we really are about connection. Where and I'm, you know, I get kind of on my soapbox about that. That this, it is so essential that we as a nation have these physical places where we as neighbors can interact both formally, informally, because that is what builds trust. That is what builds mutual respect and understanding. And we need those spaces to interact. And that's what the Y does really well. It's just what we are. It's who we are. That, you know, that that's great. It really is. And, and thanks for sharing that and, and explaining that because I, I the more we talk to our neighbors, the more we know each other. You know, it's exactly. it's so it's so easy to to put people into stereotypes and say, mm-hmm. oh, mm-hmm. you know, this one fits this mold or whatever. But nobody really fits any mold. And when you get to know somebody, you're like, oh, right, exactly. That, my stereotype really has no. There, there's no reason to use it. But so and anyway, at the Y, thank you, you know, for- people. I was just going to say, people who yeah. interact, it's with a mutual interest. You know, they're they're yeah. doing something to, that they both share. You know, yeah. um, and that's really important. So, what, what what's one of the best ways? You know, I'm I'm Mr. Community Member, and I <laughs> I don't know much about the why. So, how how do I how do I get informed about the why? How do I stay informed about the why? How do I know what you're doing? What where do I go to do find that sort of stuff? Well, certainly our website. Is, is a great source of information. And that's, you know, PrincetonYMCA.org. Um, and, you know, we do our best, of course, as I mentioned, we're a little bit limited in staffing right now. So once upon a time, our communications, I think we're more robust, but the communications team is now yours truly. So uh, <laughs> it's <laughs> it's been, you know, we've had to really sort of um, uh, um, limit the staffing structure until we can kind of get back on our feet financially entirely. But, um, you know, I think that uh, we try our best to to make ourselves accessible to uh, local outlets and uh, the town topics. We try to generate periodic updates to the community. Um, and we certainly have an e-newsletter that people can opt into. Um, so we we do our darndest to, to try to get the word out there. But of course, the ultimate way is just to come by and say hi and, <laughs> and introduce yourself and learn about us. And we're always happy to give a tour. Um, you know, I think that people are always kind of pleasantly surprised when they come through our doors because we we get and appreciate that our building doesn't exactly scream modern facility and and but I think people are genuinely kind of surprised when they come in that we've we've really done our best over the years to kind of keep it fresh and and we're anticipating doing some more investments that way shortly to kind of bring right. it back to life. Yeah. Don't judge a book by its cover. Go inside exactly. and see what it's really like. Exactly. It is very nice because I know you gave me a tour not too long ago. I think mm-hmm. the Y is a great mm-hmm. place. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, Kate, I, I guess there's changes in how the Y is going to be managed coming up. Yeah, Can you we're very, share we're some very, detail on that? Yes, I'm happy to do that. So um, leading up to the pandemic, our board had been uh, – you know, doing some serious thinking about the issues that we face as an organization with, and as we mentioned, an older building that uh, needs some TLC, if not, you know, a new start altogether. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, you know, we're a smaller Y. In the Y world, we're called what's called an independent YMCA, meaning we're a standalone uh, with one facility. 
There are many YMCAs across the country that have multiple branches. And uh, an example would be, you know, the New York City YMCA, where, um, you know, they probably have 25 branches that are that we call them. Um, and in essence, they are one association with one CEO and, and one executive leadership team. And then at the branch level, there's a branch executive director and then your program staff. And the idea behind that is then, you know, everybody's working in unison. You can use your resources better. Um, uh, you can, you know, collectively have more impact because you're, you're not having so much duplication. So as we as an organization have faced the challenges of a, a, a building that has had years of deferred maintenance, the reality is that just not enough was invested over the years. Um, we, I started talking to a colleague of mine uh, whom I've known for many years. His name's David Carcieri, and he's the CEO of the Greater Somerset County YMCA north of us. Um, we share uh, the Montgomery Township area, which is located in Somerset County, um, but it's in the Princeton YMCA is what we call the service area. Um, and so David and I started chatting and, and uh, as time went along, it became evident that there might be an opportunity for us to work together, especially in Montgomery, but also just in other areas because um, they are a, an association with uh, multiple branches. And they're headquartered in Basque Ridge, but they're, um, they have uh, five locations at present. So we started in a discussion seriously, on, and at the board level, we, we were discussing our sustainability issues and what would make sense for us to explore potential um, deepening collaboration and potential merger. And so we did that work and we formed committees and we had our, our, both our boards talk to each other and we did our due diligence and we were on the threshold uh, two years ago, about this time when wham, we had, we got our worlds turned upside down. So we put that on hold. But the exciting thing is we are now uh, at that place where we have, um, uh, resumed those um, plans, and we're now uh, anticipating that effective March 1st, in just a few weeks, we will become a branch of the Greater Somerset County YMCA. And that means I will have a different role. I'm not going anywhere, but my focus will be more on uh, deepening the relationships in the community and accessing resources so we can be much more future focused rather than just being always in the reactive mode. And my colleague, David, uh, will assume is going to continue in his role as the CEO of the overall Somerset Association. And then my colleague, Paul Zeger, many people know him in town. I'm really excited because he will then step into the branch executive director role. So he will be the boots on the ground in Princeton. Um, the name won't change. I mean, we'll still be the Princeton YMCA. Um, you know, the goal here is that we're the same why, the same community why that reflects the community, um, only better is the idea. And um, I, it, and the other um, part of that is our board uh, will no longer be the fiduciary board. They will be more of an advisory board. But again, that's going to be a great relief because so for so many years they were dealing with existential things. Um, now they can focus again on a future vision for our why. 
and also what community needs there are and how can we be better and more inclusive as an organization. So we're, uh, we're very excited about it. I think it's, it's um, you know, and, I, and, I, and I've known David a long time and I have such high uh, regard for him and respect for what he's been able to achieve as an organization. So um, I have no doubt that we are, you know, as we like to say in the Y world, we are better together uh, and that this is going to be the right decision and an and exciting time for the Princeton Y finally. Yeah, you know, I think it's encouraging when you see an organization that says, how do we continue to grow? How do we continue to do better? Mm-hmm. What, mm-hmm. you know, how do we create other relationships? So, you know, congratulations to everyone Thank involved you. for, you know, Thank staying you. ahead of the curve and not waiting till like, oh, geez, there's nothing we can do and we're hemmed in and we start to, to, to go down. So, Thank you. you know, no, I yeah. actually really appreciate your comment that way because um, we felt like, you know, and again, it's a credit to our volunteer board of directors who've just, I can't say enough about these people. These these are folks who just the level of leadership and and demonstrated certainly during the pandemic, um, but just in general, they're, they're just a wonderful group of good-hearted, smart people who love nothing more than, than really providing something that's great for everybody. They're just, they're, they're, it's just a wonderful group to work with. And I, I can't say enough. Our current chair, PJ Jayachandran is a Princeton resident. It's been on our board for nine years or eight years at this point. Um, PJ will uh, continue this year as our chair and he will, I should mention as part of our new structure for, um, Princeton representatives will join the fiduciary board of the overall association. So we'll still have representation. And that's an exciting opportunity for our leaders because, again, these are terrific people with remarkable skills. And David will say time and time again, while this is us merging into the association, from his point of view, he sees us as a tremendous asset. And not only our board members and the Princeton residents who've been so uh, instrumental in bringing us this far, um, he sees that as just such a win for them to be able to include them. So, That's and great. our staff, and our yeah, staff. Yeah, you know, I've met PJ a few times and great guy, really nice person, yeah. easy to yeah. talk to, but sharp and, yep. you know, between, it just shows yourself, PJ, your staff. I mean, the caliber of people involved in in making the Y such a successful organization is, is very Thank impressive. You. Um, so let me, let me ask you, I think it's an important question that people should understand. How, how should we as residents of the community support the why? So, you know, how do we do that? What's the best way to do it? Um, Well, as a matter of fact, we just kicked off our 2022 annual campaign. And, um, you know, we we are very much in need of... our residents and neighbors support, uh, to your point, because we we have not recovered entirely. We've got about 70% of our revenues back in terms of membership and program fees. But, you know, we still have a ways to go to get back to where we were pre-COVID. So in order for us to keep going forward and be able to respond to our neighbors in need, um, and also just to keep us um, going for everybody, you know, just because we are, again, providing services that are essential for regardless of one's background, you know, the why is, is, um, you know, for people's physical health, mental health, emotional health, uh, spiritual health, you know, it's, it's an important role. They can support us with a donation to the annual campaign would be wonderful. And they can access that information on our website at princeton.org forward slash donate. Um, we have our, uh, board members currently campaigning. So if they come a knocking, um, we'd be delighted (laughs) if you'd have a conversation 
conversation with us. Um, and, you know, we also, as part of those conversations, it's obviously, you know, we are seeking financial support, but we also love to hear people's stories. And we also love to hear what it is that they would uh, envision and imagine um, for a why in their community. What what would their dream be? Because like I said, we're, we're sort of transitioning now into a future forward mode and, and the imagining is kind of the exciting part. So that sort of feedback is very helpful to us right now too. So not only financial support, but also just hearing, you know, help us dream. We want that help. There you go. But I think it's important. I mean, the why is an important organization in town. There, there's so many worthy nonprofits and organizations absolutely. in town to support. So, but, you know, to the degree that people can make yeah, a contribution absolutely. to the annual campaign, absolutely. join, become that a member of the why. I mean, there's yep, a bunch of things. Absolutely. Join the why, check out the programs, come visit us. As I said, um, you may be pleasantly surprised. I'm pretty sure you will be. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, Kate, is there anything else that the Y is looking to do? I mean, we already talked about the merger and everything and the excitement around that, but are there any other things coming up on the Y in the next few years? That well, well, uh, we're very excited. And even in the short term, in just a matter of, uh, we're, we are talking weeks, we are in the process of adding yet another wonderful um dimension to our uh, field. So you all, uh, I'm sure folks have noticed we have that absolutely gorgeous state-of-the-art outdoor basketball court that is used constantly now and was a lifesaver during COVID because we were able to um, provide basketball programming even during the winter. And we had a fabulous anonymous donor who helped us create what we called Winter Palooza, which meant we had lights and we had heaters out there. But that basketball court was just, has been just such a gift. And we've gotten more positive feedback than I can even begin to recount. Um, But we're going to be adding a pavilion next door to it, a permanent pavilion. So most folks know that we have a tent usually up and during COVID, we've had multiple tents as part of cohorting for day camp. But we're going to have a beautiful new pavilion that will accent that will be between what is the playground and the basketball court. So it's another place for people to gather, to play together, um, know one another, interact in a way that, um, again, is what weaves us together uh, as uh, neighbors and friends. It's amazing. It's amazing all you're doing. And, and, that's, and that is great. I mean, I, every time I drive by there, you see people playing basketball. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. And it's just, and again, that was um, an incredible person who just happened to come by and say, listen, I see your sad little basketball court and I want to just provide this new um, court because this, again, the location is so key because it's so visible yeah. and it, it is Princeton. It is such a part of us. So Well, big thanks to the, uh, the anonymous donor. That was very nice yes. of them. Yes, yes. So, uh, Kate, I think we're, we're ready to wrap up. Um, great. So really appreciate your time today. It's, uh, it's great talking to you. It's always good to see you. Yes, thank you. I really enjoyed it. And it's so I just think it's great that you're doing this. This is a wonderful way to get to know people and share the stories. And, you know, Princeton is chock full of amazing stories and, and uh, good people with big hearts. So it's wonderful that you can, you know, tell, tell more of the stories, pass them along. Yeah, we're trying. It's a long list of people to reach out I to. Bet. I could do these. I could do one a day, I think. But I think you could. <laughs> anyway, thanks again, Kate. It was a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Bye. Bye. 
Thank you for joining us for episode 12 of the Princeton Podcast, produced as a community service by HG Media, providing audio, video, and website design services here in Princeton since 1999. If you enjoyed this episode of the Princeton Podcast, please share it with your friends. And be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts.